Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. of the Lord in his house. Praise God. Praise God. I hope I never fail to say that. I hope I never fail to say that. The Bible says in the book of John chapter 12 and verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit, except it fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. But there's something about the dying out process, amen, that allows much fruit to come. Praise the Lord. I want to speak this evening from this thought, um, and I'll, I'll draw that into a scripture in just a moment, but I want to speak about being a witness, to be witnesses, to be witnesses. Amen. Let's pray and ask the Lord to touch us this evening. I love you today, God. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Ghost that we feel, the power, Lord, of your presence that has touched us so many, so many times in times past. And so tonight we have come with a great spirit of expectation to believe that you not only can, but that you will move again in our midst and let your spirit and presence touch our heart and let your word, God, let your word just set something in our heart like stone in the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And you can be seated. Amen. There, there's something critical about dying out to ourself. Brother uh, Jimmy Tony, uh, a couple of nights ago at our district conference, actually read this scripture and, and uh, just kind of has been rolling in my heart and my mind about the wheat or the seed, the corn, whatever it may be fall to the ground and die. There's something so critical about dying out to ourself and moving our will out of the way. And sometimes we may feel like we have a good grasp on those things until we actually try to live a disciplined life. And then we realize all too suddenly how much control our flesh really has. When you make a commitment to prayer, I'm not just talking about prayer when you think about it, but a commitment to prayer, perhaps a certain time every day, a commitment to Bible reading, so many chapters or whatever every day. We're going to fast perhaps so many times in a given period of time, whether that's a week or a month or whatever it may be. We, we realize at moments like that that we have really not truly died out to ourselves. 
and how much self really does take control. And so we ask the Lord to help us perhaps daily or regularly help us to get our will into control because our, our, our will into his will and to break our will and let his spirit and his word mold us and mend us and make us what we should be in him. I believe that's the only way that we'll ever really experience what God has in store. And so as we die to ourselves, then we can pursue that something that's far more important than whatever we may place on our agenda for a given day or even for our life. And so that more important thing, that more important thing is not a random thing. That more important thing is not different from person to person or from family to family or church to church. But I believe that more important thing is the cause of the kingdom. And that would be a continuity that we should be able to find in every church, in every life, in every family. Amen. We need to find our God-given destiny. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58, the scripture says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so we take from this passage of Scripture the fact that God is, through the, through the Apostle Paul, reminding us that what we do is never in vain. Nothing we do for the Lord is ever useless or a waste of time. And I, I know on the surface that we would all say, very righteously and religiously that we know that we're never wasting our time to do something for the Lord. But if we just kind of peel back the veneer just a little bit, there's probably not one of us that hasn't at some point wondered if what we're doing is making any difference at all. I am confident that I'm speaking to several people tonight who at some point in time have taught a Sunday school class and sometimes you close that Sunday school room door and you lock it behind you and turn out the light and you think, man, this was just a great day, a wonderful day. And then there are other days that you turn out the light and lock the door <laughs> and you stumble and stagger to the vehicle and you just wonder if anything of consequence happened. But down inside we understand that there's nothing that we could do for God that is useless. I, I understand this, I think, at least, about the work of the ministry, and I don't want to disconnect anyone here because I'm not just talking about pulpit ministry because I'm talking about the, the call upon all of our lives to be witnesses. And so I consider that to be ministry and that we are all called to the ministry on some level. So I understand that the overall work of the ministry or in this overall work of the ministry that we deal with by and large, in an unseen commodity. We can't place our hands exactly on what we're doing often. And so we close a Sunday school door or we end a service or we close the book on a Bible study and we wonder sometimes if the results are ever going to come in and that is because we are dealing in an unseen commodity. There is not a tangible exchange many times of what we do. So the thing that we have to keep in focus is that there is a bigger picture and that there is a bigger purpose, and so don't quit. Just don't quit. 
That sounds rudimentary. It sounds simplistic, but many times that is that stickability to just stay with it, to let the Spirit of God help us to not only stand, but to keep standing. According to Acts 1 and 8, the power of the Holy Ghost is not just given for random reasons, but it's given with a clear purpose. And that purpose is clearly defined when it says to be witnesses. That is our call. That is the call of every one of us. None will ever be exempt from the call of God to witness and let our lives be an example and not just a, a, an example from a distance, but for our voices to be a witness in people's lives. And so if our service for God is to be done in his power, then it will always, always accomplish what he wants accomplished. God will have his way. He will do his will, have his will. There have been a, a few times um, through the years specifically that I have felt the Lord uh, directly deal with me about preaching a message and and the two occasions that right now are just fresh in my mind would be two occasions where I wasn't preaching behind this pulpit but another and and uh, the Lord had laid on my heart uh, something to preach that didn't really seem fitting for the moment per se but I knew that God had given me something to say for that moment in that service and so you kind of walk away from those events not really seeing the fruit of the harvest or the end of your labor, but you have to walk away in confidence that I know the Lord has given me something to say, so I just have to say that and not walk around looking for the end result, but to just deliver that in faith. I don't want to dare segue uh, that comment into this comment because I certainly do not see myself in the light of uh, Isaiah or Jeremiah or other major or minor prophets in Scripture but I think about so many times these prophetic voices that made utterances and left this world never to see them realized. But we are living in those promises today. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Joel would fit all into those categories and many, many more. But who just uttered things that God had divinely told them to speak and they just seemingly, if they just looked at it at the end of the day, because of this unseen commodity. It was just words that were cast into the air. But we, generations removed from that moment, hold to them and cling to them, not as frail promises, but we have even experienced those things that they spoke about. Amen, I'm thankful for the hand of God to realize that God, if we'll just allow him, he will just use us and he will accomplish what he is setting out to accomplish. He will do the work. Oftentimes, we do see the hand of God at work and we see something and we're reminded that God indeed is in control, but there are times that we just have to cast our bread upon the water. I believe that there are some, uh, some earmarks to people that have their minds made up to be a witness. I believe that we should not serve the Lord <clears throat> carelessly but I believe that whatever level of service God has called us to do that we should do that with great conviction I believe that we would should move and that whatever we do if it is whatever I don't want to start naming things because I don't want to leave something off the list but whatever we do for the kingdom of God we ought to do that with great conviction the apostle Paul said in this scripture of 1558 
Therefore, my beloved, be ye steadfast and unmovable. I'm so thankful for the people in my life who were just that, steadfast and unmovable. And can I tell you this evening that we are where we are tonight because generations before us resisted the temptation to move and to change and to give in to the whelms and the, and the wiles of, of this world. Let nothing move you. The message, I think, is clear not to just stand one time or at some point in our lives to take a stand, but I believe that we must continue to stand. Amen. Continue to be settled. Continue to be firmly situated and let the Spirit of God use us. We have to stay totally immovable in our convictions. Thank God someone today, amen, stayed where they were and they kept the tent stakes driven deep and firm in the soil of yesterday's and because of that, we have something to build on today. We can't waver. Amen, the Bible talks about not meddling with people that are given to change. I'm so thankful that people have gotten a hold of this and they've held on, amen, to the undying message of the cross. I'm glad of that today. Amen, so what does Paul mean when he tells us to stand? I believe that he means, at least in part, that we should completely be convinced of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen, because without that, Without that, we have nothing to stand on. That's what the 15th chapter of Corinthians is all about. The Bible says in 15 and 3, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. I just have given to you that that has been given to me, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. If we drop down to verse number 14, he said, and if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is also vain. We have to hold to the fact that there was a death, burial, and a resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. We are, we are not tonight building a, a house of cards. We are not building on shifting sand. I'm thankful for the resurrection. In just a few weeks, as a nation, we will be recognizing the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you that all heaven and earth waited with bated breath because had he not risen from the grave, then nothing that we stand for tonight would have been valid. Amen. And so I want to hold on to my conviction because we know he lives. The song says we can face tomorrow. We can stand tomorrow. And so if our conviction about the resurrection of the Lord wavers, then we're going to lose our desire or our convictions to serve God at all. If we move from the fundamental principles of God's word, then we have nothing to stand for. If you move the foundation... Amen. If you move the foundation and so pure and true service, I believe, flows from a conviction that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and that Jesus Christ is alive and well. And so tonight, we didn't just sing songs to just entertain ourselves or entertain one another, but we sang tonight in worship and praise because we know that Jesus is alive 
and well. We prayed prayers of faith tonight, not to just practice some religious ritual or rite of passage, but we prayed prayers in faith. We did tonight what the scripture said. If you're sick, any among you sick, call for the elders of the church, and we anointed them with oil, and we're going to pray a prayer of faith and believe that God is going to touch them. Why? Because we believe that Jesus is alive and well. He's not hanging on a cross. Amen. He's not mummified in a grave. He's not rotting in a tomb somewhere, but he is alive and well. And so by serving with conviction, the apostle Paul means that we are convinced that there is a reason to do what we do. I'm not here tonight because I had nowhere else to go or nothing else to do. Those that were working with our Bible quizzers before church, those that are out working with our some of our youth tonight, our children tonight, amen, you know what they're doing? They're not just back there out of some obligation. They're not just trying to fulfill some contractual signature, but they are convinced that what they're doing is the right thing to do. That's why Sunday school classes will be alive and well and vibrant this coming Sunday. That's why someone is gonna stand behind this desk this coming Sunday and hold perhaps this very microphone and preach with conviction is because we believe, amen, that there is a reason we do what we do. We're preaching an eternal message that can take sin, amen, and break the yoke and destroy the yoke of sin in a person's life. And so we are convinced there's a reason that we do what we do. 1 Corinthians 15 ends by reminding us that through faith in Jesus we'll be raised with eternal life as well. And so the song is more than just lyric, more than just a few notes, more than just a melody, but the scripture of the song that says this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. Amen, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. There's something drawing me. There's something pulling and pressing. There's, there's, there's a purpose in our steps. And so we're storing up treasures there and not here. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul was committed of his eternal reward. He understood there is a purpose to what I'm doing. I was reading just a few days ago, again, about the conversion of Paul. Oh my, amen, the conversion of Paul. How convincing that experience was on that way, on that road, on that passage. How convincing it was. It was not something that he learned at the feet of a teacher. It was not something that he was passed down from generation to generation. But the Lord of lords, the God of all heaven and earth spoke to him on that old dusty road that day. Amen. Paul was convinced. That's why he said, I know I've said it many times, but that's why Paul said, even though we or an angel come preaching any other gospel, let him be accursed. He understood I've been commissioned. And so he worked like a man whose days on earth were few. He worked like a man who had his eye 
firmly fixed on the promise, amen, while his eye was also aware, in his mind aware of what time it was. He worked like a man that had only a few days on this earth. I must work while it is day because night is coming, amen. That was the heartbeat of Paul. And so serving with conviction also means that that we are convinced that the way of God is the best way. Can I get someone to witness with me tonight? Amen, that I wouldn't want to live any other way. Amen, I would want to serve the Lord. Amen, I want to serve the Lord. I've said again and again, I can't even comprehend the splendor and the wonder of heaven. That's gonna be such a reward, but it's really truly beyond my ability to comprehend. But I can relate to what I felt this morning in prayer. I can relate to the promise that I felt just become a little more sure this morning when I was reading my Bible. Amen, I can relate to what I felt when we opened this service with a song and began to worship and magnify him. I can relate to what I feel right now even as I declare his word. I wouldn't want to do it any other way. Amen. Ephesians 4 and 14, the Bible says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. And so I've got to have some convictions in my heart. I believe that that our service to the Lord, uh, it just saddens me oftentimes to see, I I really hate to see anyone um, serve in any capacity where they feel like they're, you you get the impression that they're just, they just hate what they do. You ever sat down in the restaurant? And somebody that's just mad about being there says, how can I help you? You know this is going to be a real pleasant ride. And the the 180 degrees of that is someone that is so thrilled to be doing whatever they're doing. And they feel like that whatever they're doing Everywhere you would put that on a scale of success or failure, they feel like what they're doing is the most important thing that they could possibly be involved in at that moment. Amen. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm. I believe that we ought to have something in our heart, in our voice, not some something pretentious, not something self, uh, not something that uh, that is hypocritical. But I believe that there ought to be a real passion about what we do. Amen. I, you would not want me to come tonight and just read notes that I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart. You wouldn't want me to just come read through this and <laughs> just in some monotone voice. You wouldn't want anybody else to just come up here and just sing just the words that are on the screen just in some monotone way. But I'm thankful for the enthusiasm, amen, that is put behind the ministries, amen. The apostle Paul, I think, would agree. And here's how Paul puts it. He said, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Another translation says, always be enthusiastic about the work of the Lord. Whatever you're doing, whatever it is, whatever whatever the level of service may be, we ought to be enthusiastic about our service to the Lord. We ought to pour ourselves into serving God. Give of yourself. Whatever you want done, 
Amen. I'll do it, Lord, and I'll do it gladly. I'll do it happily, and I'll do it with everything that I have. The psalmist David said in the 100th Psalm in verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. Amen. There ought to be something about our service to the Lord that convinces everybody around us that we're happy to be what God has called us to be. Whatever that may be, I'm happy to be what God has called me to be. <clears throat> and so when we surrender ourselves, we do this through prayer, our commitment to the word of God. The Lord gives us power to serve him. Give it your all. Give God everything that we have. I'm gonna tell you that life is too short to give God anything less than our very very best. Amen. If you're going to preach, preach like it's the very last time you're ever going to hold the microphone. If we're going to sing, if we're going to, whatever it may be, we ought to do it with everything that we have. Amen. If we're going to, if we're going to call ourselves a child of God, amen, tomorrow on our job, we ought to show up like it's the very last day that we would ever have on this earth because we are called to be a witness. There should be a confidence about I'm not talking about arrogance or being pompous or holier than thou, but there should be a confidence that God has placed in our heart. The latter portion of verse 58 says, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We had to have confidence that what we're doing is the right thing. Amen. I think all of us have attempted to do some things at some point in life only to discover that it was just all in vain. Maybe it turned out that, in fact, whatever we were trying to accomplish was beyond our ability. I'm not talking about spiritual things now, but I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who was going to try to repair something on his vehicle. <clears throat> he thought, you know, he was kind of thinking back in the old school days, he thought he could just kind of pop the hood on his vehicle and change this part out like he had done many times before, not realizing that the vehicle he's driving now almost had to have the front end removed from it just to get to that and so and so when he finally realized it was beyond his pay grade so to speak he called someone and they, and they told him and said sir if you had gotten it apart if you had gotten it apart you would have called us and we would have had to bring it to our shop in pieces to put it all back together. And so we've all had those things where we got into it and realized that it was just beyond us. It can be frustrating and disappointing. And, and sometimes we, we, even in the work of God, get discouraged because we don't see results of what we're doing. We don't see an end result oftentimes. And it's easy to think, is this making any difference at all? Does it even matter? Amen, we've all been there. You don't have to run around the building to agree with me tonight, but we've all been there. Is this really worth it? Amen, you've tried to maintain godly practices and live right and do right. You've tried to make all the right decisions and treat other people right on your job. And it seems as though you're the one that's overlooked for a promotion. You're the one overlooked for a raise. You're, you're, you're probably one of the very few, perhaps in some cases, are even telling the truth, that are given an honest day's work for an honest day's wage. <laughs> and somebody that is conniving and cheating and stealing, and they're getting all the praise. <clears throat> Employee of the month parking space right up front. <laughs> We've invited people to come to church and we just knew they were going to be there Sunday. Not only were they not there Sunday, but they haven't even shown up yet. And so we just wonder if it 
all is in vain. We pray about things to improve in our life and it only seems as though it just gets worse. We have all been right there. That's our perspective, but God knows otherwise. I preached this past Sunday morning about a kingdom point of view, about specific people in scripture that thought this is it. I have nothing left. I have no more to give and nothing more to offer, but from heaven's point of view, a kingdom point of view, they learned that indeed God had placed something in them there's something more left. There's something there, Elijah. Get up and anoint the next man to follow you. There's something there, Jacob. You're, you've limped into the presence of Pharaoh. But you know what, Jacob? You've got something to offer this man. You can bless him. He could buy you and sell you all day long, even though Jacob was a wealthy man. He could buy and sell you all day long. But Jacob, the Lord, through the Lord, realize I've got a blessing I can give you. Amen. One, one step, a writer said, won't take you far, you gotta keep on walking. One word won't tell folks who you are, so you gotta keep on talking. One inch won't make you very tall, so you gotta keep on growing. One deed won't do it at all, and so you gotta keep on going. And so that's how we live for God, day by day by day. And eventually that's a week, and after a while that's a month, and in time that's a year, and in more time that's a decade. And we have been faithful to be a witness unto the Lord. Amen. Sometimes we can't see things from our perspective clearly. It's just that glass darkly, as the scripture speaks about. But God is looking through another lens. God sees it from a different perspective. Amen. And so I need to let the Lord help me to keep a heavenly perspective. Amen. We'll understand that sometimes we don't see all the good results from all the efforts you just put forth. You cast again that seed, that bread upon the water, unsure of where it's going or what's going to even happen. In the book of 1 Corinthians 15, 58, amen, our, our center text tonight, it reminds us that serving God is not an empty activity. It's not a, an exercise in futility. Amen, nothing we could ever do for God would ever be useless. Nothing we could ever do for God would ever be useless. We have been talking about in recent services a man by the name of Brother Benny DeMerchant who has been a missionary to Brazil for 50 plus years. I was this past week talking to a friend of mine, a much older friend than mine, who went to Bible college with Brother DeMerchant and he said, I, I never will forget when I heard and they were personal friends, so he just called him Benny. He said, I never will forget when I heard that Benny was going to Brazil to be a missionary. So I thought, what in the world? He said, I just remembered him in Bible college. It didn't, just didn't strike me as that person that would ever niche out a place, and I'm not using these words loosely, but a man who would ever niche out a place in history as much as brother and sister Benny DeMerchant. Amen. Sometimes God just takes the most unlikely vessels and does the most extraordinary things to be a witness. Amen. To be a witness. In the book of Philippians, we can read along as Paul writes from his prison cell. He's writing about how he's ready to go home and be with the Lord. And, and so he says, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, but if we live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I, what I shall choose, I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. 
Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Paul saw himself in a strait. He was betwixt two, heaven and earth. How I would love to go home and just be with the Lord. But he said, if I abide, it's just more needful for you, more beneficial for you for me to abide. Paul realized that Nothing he was doing was useless. It's, this is not in vain, even if it was writing letters from a prison cell because indeed that's what happened. Somehow he knew that God would take this and he would use it for the benefit of others. I, I, I have no way to realize if Paul could have seen down through the telescope of time far enough to see us today still gleaning from these letters. But how easy it would have been to say, what, what's the use? I have nothing left. But somehow he said, I'll write one more time. If Paul had given up, we, we might have never had books like Philippians or Colossians. We may never have that if he had said it's just not worth it. But he realized, I've got to be a witness, even if it's from a prison cell. I need to keep on. Pamela Reeves says, Faith is resting in the fact that God has an objective in leaving me on the scene when I feel useless to him and a burden to others. Amen. Faith is resting in the fact that God has an eternal objective to leave me on the scene when I feel useless to him and a burden to others. So even when we feel useless, our service never is, never is. God takes our service and through prayer and his spirit accomplishes exactly what he intended to accomplish. We look at characteristics of people who have had an impact on, on the world. I mentioned Brother Demerchit, but there's many, many others. We, we look at people who have, whose lives have truly impacted the world. And I, I don't want to just use Bible characters tonight, but I'm talking about people that really have lived in our times who have made an indelible impression upon the world. I mean, the bottom line is they were witnesses. They were servants of God, and they served effectively. I mean, and if we're going to serve effectively, then we have to do what God asks of us. And so I'm, I'm sure in my heart that God has a calling to some degree upon all of us. I, I understand that some like myself, have a call to a pulpit ministry and a pastor and, and for, as a matter of fact, tomorrow. Tomorrow will be 35 years ago that I preached my very first time. And so it has been something that has fallen my lot in life and I'm, I'm thankful for that. I don't want to say proud, but I'm very thankful for that. And I wouldn't want to do any, anything else. But everybody's not called to that type of ministry, but I can tell you that we are all called to the ministry. And your calling, whatever it may be, is just as significant as anyone else's. Amen. And so it's just moment by moment. And so when we feel that prompting, we need to step in to what the Lord has in store for us. I'm going to ask our musicians if they will to come. I said earlier that we deal in an unseen commodity. You don't always, you don't always receive or even see the result of your labor right away. But if we're faithful to that call, then the Lord at times gives us a glimpse into what he's doing even through our efforts.
This past Sunday morning, some of you may have noticed a young man sitting with Brother Everett Bird. I found out after church that that young man was ministered to through our jail and prison ministry. And as a result of that, casting bread on the water. Amen. Casting bread on the water. You don't ever know where it's going to wind up. But he walked in the door this past Sunday. We don't know what the future holds, but it's just casting bread on the water. Some years ago, I shared a story with you, and tonight I would like to conclude by sharing it again, only now with more details. We met Robert when he was 17 years into a 23-year prison sentence. In our services, he received the Holy Ghost and was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of his sins in Mayo. After we got to know one another a little better, he asked me one day if I would come for a spiritual advisor visit. and So we had a couple of hours to just sit down and, and talk, just one-on-one. And in the course of that visit, he shared with me about the fact that just prior to him coming to prison, that his wife was pregnant with their son. He was 17 at the time, and they were estranged because of his circumstances and the family situation. And he said, I have a 17-year-old son that I really don't know. But he said, I, I want him to know what I know about the Lord. I want him to know about this Holy Ghost. And so he said, I would like for you to pray that somehow God will just build a bridge that I can witness to my son. That seemed like a pretty tall mountain. And so we just made that a matter of prayer. Several months later, while I was at Ocala, the camp meeting service, a friend of mine that pastors a church in St. Petersburg where Robert's from, walked up to me and he said, I need to tell you a story. And he said, several weeks ago, a young man walked in off the street, and that was his terminology, and um, came into the service, and he came down that night for prayer, and He received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and we baptized him. He said a few days later, he asked if he could meet with me and he said, so we sat down to meet and he said, he began to tell me about his father who was in prison, who had been in prison for 17 years. And he said, I want my daddy to know about this Holy Ghost. So he said, I have sent... uh, So I mailed my dad a letter and I asked for permission to come and see him and I filled out the paperwork and I just want you to pray that God will give me the right words to witness to my dad. And so just a few miles from where we were standing here tonight in a visitation room, 
Robert and his son met for the first time in 17 years, each of them with the same story to tell. That we have found the Lord. The other night, while I was in Ocala, um, I said that Robert, at the time we met him, was 17 years into a 23-year sentence. Sometime last year, Robert got out of prison. And he went back to St. Petersburg, and I had been unable to contact him. And so the other night, I was standing in the aisle when Brother Balasera came walking up the aisle, and he was smiling on his way to me. He said, I need to tell you something. He said, you remember the young man I told you about? He said, yes. He said, his daddy started coming to our church, and they're attending church together. Now, it's just casting bread. It's just casting bread. I, I have enough sense to know that don't happen every day, and we may not live long enough to share a similar experience. But it's just casting bread on the water to be a witness. And so I, I say to all of us tonight to just keep reaching because you just never know where the seed's going to wind up. One step won't take you very far, but keep on walking. One word won't tell folks who you are, so keep on talking. One inch won't make you very tall, you got to keep on growing. One deed won't do it at all, so you just have to keep on going to be witnesses. That's why he filled us with the Holy Ghost. That's why he poured out his spirit upon flesh. That's why he fulfilled what Joel said was coming to pass. So that we would be a light to some drifting soul. We all have the capacity to do it. It's there. And as long as we let the enemy convince us that we like Jacob have nothing left, we like Elijah are already spent, just take me on, then we may fail to hear the voice of the angel that says, come on, put on your sandals. Gird up yourself. You need to eat because you're going to need the strength. God has called us. Amen. I want us to be encouraged. Let's stand. Can we can we magnify the Lord as we end this service with this song tonight? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.